Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, YA is sponsored by Take Me With You When You Go by David Levithan and Jennifer Naven. In a powerful collaboration from the New York Times bestselling authors of Every Day and All the Bright Places comes a story of loss, siblinghood, and where we turn when we have nowhere else to go. When Ezra discovers his older sister B has run away from their abusive home, he can't believe she'd leave him behind with no explanation. The only thing she left him, an email address, but she won't say where she's gone or why she left. What unfolds is a page-turning mystery that will make you reach for the people you love. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Erica Ezefetti. We are recording on August 30th, 2021. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well, um, especially considering... We were kind of talking about this earlier, people in Louisiana who are going through Mm. it. So I cannot complain at all. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. And it's like, I can't even imagine how many scenarios are running through folks' heads. The ones Mm -hmm. who, you know, stayed because they wanted to weather it or couldn't leave for Mm -hmm. any number of, you know, valid reasons. Um, As well as those folks, like I have a friend who left and she's trying to make the best of this, like, you know, getting away, going somewhere else, but in the back of the mind the whole time is like, what am I coming back to, you know? Yeah. And it's like, for those who have, I don't know if I want to call it a privilege, more so like the ability to leave. It's like, Mm -hmm. where are they going? Is it a hotel? Is it family? What if all your family's in Louisiana? And then of course, what are you going to come back to? So I'm totally with you. Like, I don't, I can't imagine. It's terrible. Yeah. Our hearts are there for anybody who is dealing with that this week because you will hear this episode either you know, this week or when you get the chance to listen but we're sending you the the comeback to you know as little destruction or challenge as possible yeah definitely what have you been reading lately you know what I've been trying to expand my usual like science fiction fantasy mm-hmm. thing and I've been reading like some romance not necessarily YA romance but some different, like, it's been like a different little mix. Nice. I'm expanding myself, you know, going out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is definitely not YA. Well, in addition to the YA books that we're going to talk about that yeah. I've read. But I've finally gotten into Talia Hibbert. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. This is nice. But yeah, there are also like so many good things coming out too. What have you, what have you been reading lately? I have been on, and this will show up in what we're going to talk about, mm-hmm. a graphic novel kick. Like I've been reading a number of graphic novels lately oh, and nice. it's been like what I can focus on. And then I picked up We Light Up the Sky 
by Lilian Rivera. I just started that one last night and I'm super into it. It's an alien story set in Los Angeles with three Latinx main characters. And it's like, it's like a short little book, but something that surprised me I hadn't anticipated mm-hmm. is it talks about COVID-19 like in real world time, which oh, is just, man. like um, bizarre to read in yeah. fiction. It makes it makes perfect sense why it's there, but also like I hadn't anticipated that, and I was like, "Whoa!" I didn't right. think about you know it's been almost two years at this point. So oh my like, god, don't say it. I know, I know. Don't say it. Yes. No, that's a good that's a good point to think about. I have kind of wondered as far as like like shows, movies, like art, entertainment, whatever. Um, how are they going to deal with that? It kind of, in a way, it kind of seems limiting mm-hmm. because it's like. You know, as far as like movies and shows and books, whatever, it's like, oh, you're in the house. Next day, yeah. you're in the house. Mm, yeah. days, you're in the house. So it's like, or you're in the hospital, God forbid. Right. So it's like, yeah. how's the story going to progress? I don't know. Yeah. In this particular one, um, one of the, a, a relative of a character died from COVID-19. So that's how it kind of came in there. And it's just, it's really bizarre to think about that as a reality in fiction, but it's a reality like in the real world too. And so of course it would show up in the fiction. Yeah. Well, let me ask you something. Do you feel like a lot of people read to escape reality mm-hmm. and that's one piece of reality that we would all like to escape from? Do yeah. You, how do you feel about that in terms of like, how do you feel about, well, I don't know. Do you feel like authors should like it'd be cool to kind of like more so ignore COVID and kind of like pretend it's not happening or it's so tricky this is such a good question and I'm going to ask the same back to you in a second I mean I I don't think you can ignore it but I think there's a point where you're exploiting it if that makes Mm, sense like and there's there's a fine line between like it has to in some way show up if you're writing a contemporary like time setting Mm -hmm. But then there's like, that's the whole story. And that feels yeah. uncomfortable right now. And I'm also I wrote about this in the um, What's Up in YA newsletter. I'm not sure how I feel about book covers with mm. masks on them. Like, I don't mm. know why that thing bothers me so much. And I, I wonder if part of it is just like it's telling you what the book's going to cover before you get to it, which for some people I know works. Mm hmm. But for me, it's also like, why do I want to pick up this book when I very much know it's tackling something that is still going on in real time? Yeah. So I I feel like this is one of those topics that is really going to be like each reader is going to decide what they can and can't handle with it. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? Um, I kind of feel I'm kind of on the same page. I, I kind of feel like it would maybe behoove authors to kind of lay off of COVID right now for now Mm -hmm. and kind of let it like work itself out, whatever that means. Um, (laughs) Could could move that along maybe a little faster, you know, like, and then, I don't know, maybe within like five years kind of start to like have books tackling it. And at that point, maybe we, there's like a light at the end of the tunnel or we're out of the tunnel Mm -hmm. and we can kind of look back at it and be like oh that was crazy like 2020 was the longest 10 years we had all experienced and so but I feel like because it's so present and it's very real and going on right now for a lot of people well it's going on for all of us but when I mean for a lot of people I mean like some people have family members and stuff who have died from it who are currently Mm -hmm. sick so it's like 
dang, when you read a book, you don't really, I don't think people really, really want to like confront that right now. So it might be, I don't know. And it's just like, kind of like you said, I feel like that's kind of coming up when you see the masks on the covers. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, really? Well, that's how I interpreted that statement that you, you made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's how yeah. that's how I feel about it. And it's like, that's no fault of the, the book itself, but yeah. uh, like weird marketing, uh, maybe weird isn't the right word, uncomfortable yeah. marketing vision. Like I, I get why it's being done. And at the same time as a reader, I'm like, I'm not going to touch that book because yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I know I'm not escaping. Yeah. Also, one more note on that for yeah. me, I guess, is it's like we are like inundated with COVID stuff from mm-hmm. the news. So that's yes. kind of another reason. It's not even like a, we want to escape into books, which yes, we do. But it's not just that. It's like, it's almost like we have our, we've reached our limit in talking yes. about it kind of. It's like, okay, like, can we just talk about something else? Yeah. And I think that might exactly explain the mask thing on covers. Like mm-hmm. why I have the like feeling I have immediately is it's just like, I'm so exhausted with Mm-hmm. thinking about it with seeing it like just do it and move on whereas yeah. you know yeah it's it's such a good point and it's hard to compare this moment to other moments where we've had like big things come up socially and culturally mm-hmm. just because this is not done yet yeah, <laughs> it's going exactly. a long time yeah when it's and and again the light at the end of the tunnel is like kind of far away we kind of yeah. don't know how long it'll take for us to get out of it so yeah. it's like jeez man yeah <laughs> totally <sighs> let's hit our first sponsor and then we'll dive into our first topic we promise this is not a show about covid um <laughs> oh yeah right we, let's say that yes <laughs> going against our own points yes yeah. <laughs> Uh, so our first sponsor is Sky Hunter by Marie Liu with Fierce Reads. Talon is a striker, a member of an elite fighting force that stands as the last defense for the only free nation in the world, Mara. A refugee, Talon knows firsthand the horrors of the Federation, a world-dominating war machine responsible for destroying nation after nation with its terrifying army of mutant beasts known only as ghosts. But when a mysterious prisoner is brought from the front to Mara's capital, Talon senses there's more to him than meets the eye. Is he a spy from the Federation? What secrets is he hiding? Only one thing is clear. Talon is ready to fight to the death alongside her fellow strikers for the only homeland she has ever left, with or without the boy, who might just be the secret weapon to save or destroy them all. Read Sky Hunter. In paperback today to get ready for the conclusion to the story to come out on September 28th. Thank you to Sky Hunter with Marie Lou from Fierce Reads. So our first topic is new releases that we love. So things that we have read that have come out in the last year or so. You know, like mm-hmm. time right now is just meaningless. But it, yeah, you know, it's a social so- construct. Exactly, exactly. But these are these are things that have come out that you may have missed or have heard about and forgot about things that we just like want to talk a little bit more about. All right. So I promised I talked a little bit about graphic novels. And my first pick is Summer Spirit by Elizabeth Holloville, which was translated by Amy Evans Hall. And I'm going to start with talking about the uh, color palette in this comic. It is so, so gorgeous. It blends primarily purples and greens to create this really dreamy and spooky atmosphere throughout. 
I wouldn't necessarily call this super scary, but I'll give a comparison at the end. So this is a story about Louise, who spends summers at her grandmother's with her cousins. And this summer, she's not feeling quite as mature or ready to be a teenager as her cousins are. And so she's been left out a lot because they're going to the beach, they're seeking out romantic interests, and she's not particularly interested in doing this. And so this time alone has led her to spend hours kind of roaming the property. And then she meets Lisa, who is this ghost that haunts the property. Lisa turns out to be bound to the borders of the house and the garden, but she and Louise develop a friendship inside the garden's treehouse where Louise lives. And over the course of their friendship, Lisa begins to understand that Louise's story is intimately tied to the garden, the treehouse, and her grandmother, who we know from early on, the ghost is her grandmother's long lost sister. So this is a family story. And at times I will say it doesn't feel completely cohesive, but I think a big part of that is that this is a a comic translated from French. And I think also maybe the bigger part is that When you're at this age, I think the main character is probably 12, like right on that border of being a teen, especially during the summer, time just feels disjointed. It doesn't have clear starts and stops. And I feel like the art in this one translated in a way that words didn't always just it's this very unsettling, but not necessarily scary ghost story. It does include death, including a pet death, but it's not glory, gory rather. It's a book that I think I would compare best to this one, Summer Meets Shirley Jackson. Um, So that kind of gives you a sense of like, yeah, it's creepy and unsettling, but not necessarily like bloody horror or like vengeful horror. Um, There's a little bit of anger and resentment, but not in the I'm going to go out and do something super destructive just because I can. Um, So if you're looking for Mm -hmm. a good, fun horror light-ish comic, uh, Summer Spirit by Elizabeth Holloville, translated by Amy Evans Hall. That sounds really interesting. And I like, I don't know if like the Summer Spirit or like the, I guess that's kind of has like a double meaning because you mentioned Mm -hmm. how in the summer, I'm like, maybe that's the point, Erica, as I'm speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Like maybe that's, maybe that's what it was meant. They're layers, all right? Like an onion, Shrek. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but that that pretty much nails it. And it always is amazing to me to read. Um, like, I love reading reviews after I read a book. Mm-hmm. And reading through them and you see, like, what people liked and didn't like. And there's a lot of people who did not particularly like the story in this one. And I was That's like, real. why? Yeah. And I was like, why is it? And I'm reading the reviews. I'm like, oh, it's disjointed. And then me as a reader, I'm like, okay, what made it disjointed? And you start to understand, like, it was very much intentional to be that way. And for some people, that just is not their preferred storytelling method. And that's fine. But um, it also, it just like is very much like, that's what time is when you are that age in the summer away from home. Just like, it doesn't have a beautiful narrative arc to it. So yeah, it's like, you're not really like super grounded. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm always down for uh, some uh, family ghost story. Yeah. What's your first pick? So um, my first pick is um, kind of similar to yours. Uh, not a graphic novel, but a story about ghosts. Um, it's called The Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas. And Jake Livingston is one of the only Black kids at a mostly white private school in Atlanta, Georgia. 
He deals with constant microaggressions, outright bullying, loneliness, and hasn't told his family that he's gay. Oh, and he's a medium, just to complicate things a little more. So for Jake, being a medium means he can see and hear things from a place called dead world, which overlaps the physical world. So he can see and hear what people did in their last moments of life. He can also see these like grotesque creatures called ghouls who he's told are harmless, but seem to be getting kind of more and more familiar with him in the wrong ways. Um, He comes to realize that he's being haunted by Sawyer, who's a kid that shot up his school before turning the gun on himself. So Sawyer is a ghost, a troubled one at that. And Sawyer contradicts everything Jake knows about the connection between dead world and the physical world as Jake tries to keep Sawyer from taking over and ruining his life. I like Douglas's world building here. I feel like Jake's reactions to things are probably like more realistic. I feel like his reactions to things are not like to some of his, to some of the bullying and stuff like that. It's not that like typically perfect hero mm-hmm. slash protagonist reaction, if that makes sense. It's like, you know, what if you push people too far at a certain point, they might snap and mm-hmm. you might get got like they say, you know, <laughs> all right. You can mess around and find out. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, some people found out, let's say that. All right. So <laughs> there's also a sweet romance that develops, <laughs> which is nice to top it off. I really like this book. I thought it, I mean, it got real though, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the second half of it, I felt like it was like almost a little slow in the beginning. I was sticking with it. Um, the second half, it's like, whoa, there are, you know, some needed trigger warnings for like child abuse and stuff like that, homophobia mm-hmm. and stuff. But I really enjoyed it. I like the world that Douglas made. So again, that is The Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas. My next pick is also one that probably comes with a number of trigger warnings. It's A Sitting in St. James by Rita Williams-Garcia. And I'll start by saying if this book does not sweep the awards this year, it's going to be a big tragedy. I suspect, though, that that won't happen because this book is, and I, I don't use the word lightly, it's a masterpiece. So it's set in 1860 Louisiana, and it's an intergenerational novel, which opens when Sylvia Guybert, who is the matriarch of Le Petit Cottage, Uh, decides she's going to sit for a portrait. So this is like a a big, big deal at the time. And her family does not care, but she does. And sitting for a portrait is a huge deal. And she wants to use this as an opportunity to host a party, to reveal the portrait and show off her tremendous wealth. But ultimately, this is not Sylvie's story, but instead the story of everybody else on this plantation from cooks to housemaids to her children and to her estranged grandchildren. It's this very phenomenal historical read about a land-owning white family, mixed-race children who do and do not get space in that family, and the queer children who are hiding their truths because of family honor. And then also the enslaved people working for this family and the very complex lives that they live. It's the sort of story that is very, very claustrophobic, but in a great way. And it's the kind of challenging read that draws you in slowly and begs you to slow down and savor not just the story and characters, but every single deliberate word choice and phrase in the prose. I was just blown away by this book and I think about it all the time. There's a a great author's note in this one where Williams Garcia talks about not wanting to write a Civil War era book about Black people and 
plantations and anything in the South. But as she Mm -hmm. started to do some research about the Creole people in Louisiana, she was drawn into a whole bunch of threads in history she had never known before and was like, okay, now I have to write a story. So it's just, it's an incredible piece of work. And the characters who are in it are all fully fleshed. And the heroes who you are told are heroes are clearly not heroes. And there's a particularly clever younger girl in this book who like ties the whole story together. And every time I think about how she did this, I'm just like, you are you are genius, both to the character and to um, Williams Garcia, who wrote the book. And that is A Sitting in St. James by Rita Williams Garcia. Well, if that isn't a ring endorsement, I don't <laughs> know what is. That sounds really interesting. And I like how, um, I mean, maybe these, you know, certain books that I'm about to mention uh, were just not um, apparent to me before. But I will say I do like that different stories are starting to be told, mm-hmm. even about times like ante- the antebellum South. Mm-hmm. They're starting to be told with more, you know, voices and more the experiences of Black people are starting to be explored more. And it's not just one story and it's not just a flat one dimensional story. There are different layers, different dimensions to, you know, everything that we've experienced. Yeah. And they, they challenge the like norms of what we learn in whitewashed history. And Mm -hmm. I mean, there have been a wealth of really great, historical novels in the last few years by authors of color who are like bringing these stories out that it's like these are better than any history textbook you know honestly honestly and I am learning way more than I ever did in a history class and so it's like as I'm reading these I'm not only getting these incredible stories but I'm like getting this education in history that I so sorely needed and I suspect it's a really huge win, especially for marginalized people who like have never seen their stories told are now yeah. like, I, I know this is my history or part of my history and I've always known it. Now it is on the page. And I can only imagine being, you know, a 14 year old black girl reading a story like this and seeing yourself as the hero in the story. Now that you mention it, honestly, I really loved historical fiction when I was younger middle grade, YA, whatever, when I was like mm-hmm. around that age. And I rarely saw books that were about like black girls who were, you know, in antiquity or whatever that mm-hmm. weren't like, oh, she was, you know, a little enslaved girl. And I'm like, okay, I don't really want to read that. Right. Like where it's like, it's just, you know, well, I mean that like trauma porn, I guess, kind of is being explored now more mm-hmm. with marginalized groups. Um, And it's fine. I mean, I think just like if you write about, if you write a historical novel um, dealing with, uh, you know, focusing on a woman, a girl's experience, it's going to have sexism and misogyny mm-hmm. in it most likely. If it yeah. takes place in the Western hemisphere, whatever. Right. But for Black people, it's like the struggle is always, has always been the focus. And it's like, yeah. it's part of it, but it's not the entire existence. Right. Right. Like there are so many complex threads and so many complex stories and like, What I particularly liked about this book is, you know, we're talking the cooks had these complex histories shared in the story. And it's like, these are characters who in too many stories have been the throwaway characters. They're just their name and seeing their story fleshed out. Like, that's what I live for with historical fiction. Like, yeah, 
stories of people whose stories have not been shared before. That's it. Yeah, that's perfectly. And I feel like that literally is like showing someone being one dimensional. That's like, you know, taking the their complexity away, their humanity away. And that's like kind of at the root of racism and stereotyping mm-hmm. to me. That's a deeper conversation, you know? Yeah. But I no, so I'm I'm here for this, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really good. So for my next book. Um, you might notice a pattern <laughs> with my the books that I chose. It's called The Dead and the Dark by Courtney Gould. Okay, so it is another spooky book. <laughs> and I have to say that I am um, a bit of a weenie in terms of like scary things, um, like scary movies and stuff like that. Um, but this was pretty eerie. Um, this was a story about lesbian teen Logan who travels around the country with her two paranormal investigator dads. They wind up in a small town called Snakebite in Oregon, which obviously nothing's going to go wrong in a town called Snakebite. <laughs> clearly, like what would go wrong? They turn up in Snakebite, Oregon to investigate a case, which is a usual thing, typical thing they do. They go around investigating cases. So the only problem is that her the, her fathers usually don't take this long to investigate and teenagers start to disappear. She starts to wonder what's really going on and what her fathers are not telling her. So homophobia and general intolerance that comes that may come, I should say, with being in small towns, um, that all leads to many in the town suspecting one of Logan's dads as being responsible for the teenagers going missing. And she has to kind of exonerate him. She finds an unlikely partner in this girl named Ashley Barton. Ashley is like the, you know, like Miss Congeniality, Miss Popular. Um, Ashley's boyfriend was actually the first teen to disappear. And since he's disappeared, Ashley has been able to see him when no one else can. So the girls start to develop feelings for each other, actually, as they begin to fully realize that there's something wrong with snake bites. Even the sun is too oppressive and there's something watching them from the woods. <laughs> so they need to work that out. Her and Ashley. Um, again, that is The Dead in the Dark by Courtney Gould. I will say what the dark was, uh, capital T-H-E, I guess, capital D. That kind of drove the story forward at time. There were some intense, like, um, I guess, let's say expressions of homophobia that were like, oh my God. Okay. Mm. I kind of don't know how I feel about Ashley. It's clear. It's not a spoiler to say that like feelings develop. It's like on the, it's in the summary for the book. So that's mm-hmm. not a spoiler. It's just, you know, you know, that's going to happen. But I'm like, huh. I'm like, what I, I don't know about, I'm like looking at Logan. I'm like, Ashley might not be it. You know, you might want to, I don't know, just some of the things that she allowed her friends to say and do in terms of like, you know, homophobia and small mindedness. I'm just like, mm. <laughs> so that's my, that's my uh, take on Ashley. Okay. So <laughs> what, uh, what's your next book, Kelly? My next book is Love is a Revolution by Renee Watson. And I am forever a Renee Watson fan. And this book was such a joy to read in an era where there is so little joy. To quote the title, love is indeed a revolution. So this is a book about Nala, who is very stoked about summer. And among the many lists she keeps, one of the things that she knows she wants to cross off before school begins again is to finally get a boyfriend. So when Nala joins her cousin and best friend Imani at one of Imani's activist group events and sees Ty, it's a crush at first sight. But activism really isn't Nala's thing, as she struggles with the 
tremendous insecurity and worries about using her own voice as a tool of power. Her feelings, of course, for Ty continue to amplify, and Nala begins telling him a series of lies about who she is. Yes, she's a vegetarian. She is not a vegetarian. She has a job at a local senior living home and helps coordinate projects for the residents, which is a lie. She only goes to visit her grandmother. And (laughs) she begins to change her hair and her style to fit this perception she believes Ty has of her. And yet she is really struggling to keep up the lies and the facade. And it all comes to a head one night. And despite how well the relationship has been going, she breaks and she tells him the truth. And this is sort of the big revelation is that Nala has to learn to love herself throughout the story. And so this is really a story about learning to love who you are, how you fit in, and how it's okay to be interested and engaged in what lights you up as opposed to what you think other people want you to be excited about. There are so many excellent pieces to this story. Nala's love of her grandmother and the other seniors at the Living Center, the smells, sounds, and tastes of Harlem the interspersed lists of Nala's hopes and dreams and thoughts, this message that you can love yourself as you are without necessarily needing to affix a label to it, and that everyone's activism and passion looks different, and then also how a strained parent-child relationship can function, and what it's like to grow up with a father who decides to move away and back to his home country, leaving you and the rest of your family in a different place. Watson is this master of writing coming of age and this is a feel-good romance that um, reminded me a lot of the voting booth by brandy colbert this was just like one of those Uh to quote eric smith hugging a book oh a hug in a book i need that i need a hug in a book i mean it it tackles some big heavy things but at the end of the story it is just it's feel good and you love nala throughout even when she is coming up with these lies and trying to be who she's not bless her heart yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know exactly what she's doing and why she's doing it. You're like, oh, no, girl, please. No, just- it's not it. <laughs> yeah. It's never worth it. He's no. not worth it. <laughs> and that is Love is a Revolution by Renee Watson. What do you got next? All right. Something spooky, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, it's also like once like mid-August hits, it's like, oh, it's witch season. Mm -hmm. So this is called Bad Witch Burning by Jessica Lewis. This has been described as being for fans of the show Us and the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I've never actually watched Us. Or no, not the show Us, the movie. I'm sorry, I misspoke. Well, still, I have not watched us again i'm a weenie so (laughs) i need like super i need like an escort or like a chaperone to watch scary movies i'm super scary scary acting but i did love the first season of the new sabrina despite its lack of salem shade (laughs) side-eyeing you netflix so cottrell is a struggling medium that can speak to the dead she has to support her unemployed mother and whatever less than desirable man her mother has brought home for that week um as well as herself of course So one day her summoning brings a warning from the other side to stop what she's doing or everything will be, quote, burned down, end quote, which I mean, you know, that would be more than enough for me. But Cottrell (laughs) and I are obviously built quite differently. So Cottrell is just trying to make sure she has enough money for food. So she has to keep doing what she has to do. After the warning, she accidentally raises someone from the dead and a new, more lucrative career option opens up for her. Continuing on this path of darkness starts to threaten everything she holds dear and she must make a choice to confront it or settle for a life of poverty. The author, um, one thing I like about 
science fiction and fantasy is that it kind of makes um, real things that we're going through, it kind of brings them into the physical realm in a way. Like it, it talks about it in a way where we can kind of separate it from ourselves and then examine it outside of ourselves and come back. Um, and this is a story that speaks on dysfunctional family relationships, parent-child relationships, and sometimes how you have to let some relationships go in mm. order to save yourself. There's an author's note in the beginning that talks about how she felt like, like around when she was around this age, she felt like kind of like burning the world down because of her kind of like dysfunctional relationship with her mom and stuff. So I think, you know, it's definitely something to keep in mind if you want to kind of read something about that. Um, again, this is Bad Witch Burning by Jessica Lewis. Since we have, we spent a good chunk of time at the beginning of the show talking about something that I think was really worthwhile to talk about. Shall we leave our last two and just move on to the next topic? Because I, I am really excited about the next topic too. Oh yeah, definitely. That sounds good. All right. So do you want to read the um, next sponsor? Give them a shout out. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so, all right. Our second sponsor is TBR, Book Riot subscription service, offering reading recommendations personalized to your reading life. Want great new YA books to read, but overwhelmed by all the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for and sit, sit back while your bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email, so there's an option for every budget. TBR is also available as a gift. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. Again, that's mytbr.co. So we can go ahead and get into our next topic for books, which is fall releases that we're excited about. Kelly, would you like? Oh, I was going to say, why don't you go first? (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. I will definitely. Let's see. So The Bones of Ruin by Sarah Raleigh. It's coming out September 7th. And no surprise, this is science fiction fantasy. This starts off already super interesting with its premise and setting. Iris is an African tightrope dancer performing in Victorian England. And while she endures the label of strange and other, which is courtesy of her largely British audiences, she knows that she is actually strange because she can't die. Um, She has these unexplained and unnatural abilities, but no memory of her past. As she tries to remember who she is, she comes across an alluring man called Adam Temple, who she finds out is a member of a mysterious organization called the Enlightenment Committee. Not ominous at all. Adam knows more about Iris than he's letting on, and Iris finds out that the world is ending and the organization he's a part of will get to determine who lives or dies. To get a leader for the apocalypse, there will be a competition held called the Tournament of Freaks that will feature fighters with magical abilities. Adam has chosen Iris as his champion to fight in the competition with the promise of telling her about her past. As she progresses, though, in the tournament, she wonders if she really wants to know the truth. So same girl, same. Like, is it worth it? I don't know. (laughs) It's a little too much trouble. So this, again, is called The Bones of Ruin by Sarah Raleigh. And it's out September 7th. My first pick is All These Bodies by Kendara Blake. And I am like you when August hits, like, give me creepy. And this one is bloody and 
set in a creepy Midwest town. So Blake's Anna Dressed in Blood was a great horror, and I'm so eager to revisit that mood with her. So the story is set in the summer of 1958, and a rash of murders across the Midwest has had people on edge as bodies are being drained of their blood. So when the Carlson family is slaughtered in September, 15-year-old Marie is found at the scene covered in blood that is not hers. Michael, who is the son of a local sheriff, can't wait to escape his small town and land a job as a journalist somewhere bigger. And he knows that maybe the biggest investigation uh, is right in front of him. But can he prove Marie was responsible for the murders? And if not, who was the person who was responsible? So this one has blood and murder and uh, small towns and what sounds like a fantastic rivalry uh, between this kid who wants to be a journalist and this person who may or may not be responsible for some dead bodies. And that is All These Bodies by Ken Derry Blake. And it's out September 21st. Sounds like a good time. I mean, mm-hmm. Ken Dare, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, the next one I have is called Things We Couldn't Say by J. Coles. Mm. A little confession real quick. I look, he <laughs> thought this was the rapper J. Coles like debut into fiction, why fiction. And I was like, okay, you know, branching out, range, J. Coles range. <laughs> and then I was like, okay. So it was a brief moment, but I thought I would share that. <laughs> I was like, J. Coles, what? Uh, anyways, definitely not written by him, obviously. It's about a bisexual black boy named Gio. We meet Gio during a great time of struggle. Even though he comes from a preacher's family with an alcoholic father, has friends that constantly bring him drama, and has to deal with the complications that come with liking both girls and guys, uh, his main issue is actually that his mother has returned to his life. Worst yet, she's asking for forgiveness. You see, his mother left him when he was nine years old without a word. He doesn't know if he can forgive her so easily, though. And... Side note, he doesn't know if David, the new guy on the basketball team, is a friend or something more. So this feels like a story that is about figuring out for yourself what love is and figuring out how you will allow other people to treat you, whether they are friends or family. So that, again, is Things We Couldn't Say by Jay Coles out September 21st. My next pick is Blackbirds in the Sky by Brandy Colbert, and it is out October 5th. Longtime listeners know I will read any and everything Brandy writes, and I'm so excited to see her branching into nonfiction with this one. Uh, So the book is about the Tulsa Massacre of 1921. In June of that year, a mob of white Tulsans marched across the train tracks to the Greenwood District, which was a predominantly black very thriving, wealthy area of the city. There, the mob killed hundreds and razed buildings, destroying destroying the area and the community. And Colbert's book is the third or fourth YA book this year, exploring this moment in history, which hasn't seen enough attention. And though I know just the basics about it, I'm so glad that I'll be able to pick up yet another book on this topic that will offer an in-depth look at the history as well as how that history impacts, influences, and is still resonant in today's world. That is Blackbirds in the Sky by Brandy Colbert, October 5th. I have to say that that whole entire topic, the Tulsa massacre, like I found out about that way too late. When you talk about like erasing history, Mm -hmm. case in point, also, I don't know if you've watched the show Watchmen with Regina King, but that covers it. It's so good. That show is so good. 
I have not, um, but I've heard that, and I'm glad that you brought it up because I think it's one of those shows that like either will be an entryway into learning more about it or will be additional, like you've read about it, now you want to learn more about it. Like it's got a nice entryway and um, a path to learn more about this moment. Yeah, definitely. But definitely an important book, and I'll be picking that up as well. My next book is White Smoke by Tiffany Jackson. And so for other people who have, well, for people who have listened to the last couple episodes, you know, I'm not familiar, super familiar with YA, but Tiffany Jackson is someone that I keep coming across. Mm -hmm. So I'm especially excited for this one. So a fresh start is right on time for Mary Gold as her blended family moves from California to a Midwest city. (laughs) She's running from the ghosts of her old life, or she's trying to. The new house her family has moved in because of her mom's new job is a picture-perfect house that just so happens to be situated between dilapidated houses and weary neighbors. That whole thing, both of those things together, I should say, add to the eerie vibe in this Mm. story and help it to get the description of like it being a cross between the haunting of Hill House and Get Out. So also, again, I am a weenie, but I did watch (laughs) Haunting of Hill House and... I especially like, and Get Out, of course, which is less scary, more just like a thriller. Um, I especially liked how neither of them relied on like jump scares or grotesque monsters and focused more on the psychological aspect. And that really seems to be present in White Smoke because there's a question of whether the ghosts in it are metaphorical or if they're real. Um, And again, I love fantasy that kind of deals with these, you know, very real problems in a kind of... um, somewhat detached way, but then you realize what the metaphors are and you're like, oh, okay, that applies to my life. Again, this is White Smoke by Tiffany Jackson out September 14th. My next pick is Huda FRU by Huda Fami out November 2nd. <laughs> nice. and, yeah, yeah. And the title alone should tell you this is going to be a funny, cheeky graphic memoir. Um, yeah. This is Huda's story about her family moving from a town where she was known as the only hijabi to Dearborn, Michigan, where she's now living among one of the largest Muslim populations in the country. And I believe it's the largest in the Midwest for sure. So now she's no longer able to rely on this as part of her identity to define herself. And so she's trying out different cliques and groups in her school, hoping to understand who she is, but it is not easy. And obviously this is a book about identity and fitting in and standing out. And the illustrations look like they are going to be so much fun. And that is Huda FRU by Huda Fami. November 2nd. I love it. Love the title. Mm -hmm. My next one is called A Dark and Starless Forest by Sarah Hollowell out September 14th. Derry is a part of a found family that is fathered by a man named Frank. Frank raised Derry and her siblings after they were abandoned by their families. He keeps Derry and her eight other siblings isolated in a house by a lake where they are cut off from the rest of the world by this foreboding forest that they try to stay out of. This, Frank claims, is to keep them safe since they have magic and Derry usually feels safe. That is until her siblings start to go missing. She even thinks she saw her sister Jane walk into the forest, even though they had sworn never to return because of a mysterious incident that involves some blood shed there. So despite her fears, Derry is willing to look for her siblings amidst the creepy trees and feels her power grow. Um, There's a darkness she notices inside her that she'd rather pretend didn't exist, but seems to be strengthened by the forest. 
Derry has to confront her fears for the sake of her family and explore this darkness that she's noticing that's settling and growing stronger within her. So that, again, is A Dark and Starless Forest by Sarah Hollowell out September 14th. My next pick is Not Here to Be Liked by Michelle Quach uh, out September 14th. And this is an enemies to lovers story for readers who love that trope. So this is a debut and looks so up my alley, it almost hurts. Um, Eliza is absolutely perfect for the role of editor-in-chief at her school's newspaper. And she has the skills, the talent, the experience. But ex-Jack Len decides he's going to run against her. And because he just looks like a leader, he gets the role despite a lack of experience. So Eliza does what anyone would do. And I say that with a little bit of sarcasm, but also not a lot of sarcasm. She pens an essay that goes viral about the situation, launching a feminist movement in her school with some believing that she is trying to really show the true systems of gender inequality, while others are simply saying that she uh, is, quote, crying misogyny. Um, And then the school decides in an act of civility that Eliza and Len should work together. And, you know, oops, despite their problems, the tension, the real issues brought up, oh, they might be falling for each other. And that is Not Here to Be Liked by Michelle Quatch out September 14th. And uh, it just, it sounds like the kind of tropey goodness that I just am so hungry for lately. Yes. Tropes are like, can be very comforting. It's mm-hmm. like, I know what's about to happen and that's okay. I like it. Give yeah. it to me, please. Yes. <laughs> so my next one is Iron Widow by Sharon Zhao. In Washa, boys dream of female concubines and giant transforming robots. The girls are basically sacrifices used to help boys pilot the robots and usually die from the mental strain. Enter 18-year-old Zeshan, who offers herself up to become a concubine pilot with the express goal of killing the male pilot who used her sister and killed her as a result within the process of using her as a pilot. Instead of a typical assassination, though, Zeshan kills him in an unexpected way, which is the same way that so many boys have killed girls. That is through the psychic link that connects pilots. When she emerges from the cockpit unscathed with the male pilot dead, she is labeled an Iron Widow which I love, Mm Loki, kind of sounds like an all-female 70s metal band. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, The author herself describes this as, quote, a Pacific Rim meets the Handmaiden's Tale in a polyamorous reimagining of China's only female emperor, end quote. And that's kind of a heck of a description, so. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Again, it's Iron Widow by Sharon Zhao out September 21st. And my last pick is You Can Go Your Own Way by Eric Smith. November 2nd is the pub date on this one. And it sounds so good. And a lot like the kind of book fans of Jennifer Dugan, uh, who wrote Hot Dog Girl, particularly Verona Comics, will love. Um, Of course, Eric. Of course. So the story follows Adam. Um, He's only got one piece of his dad left, and that's an old arcade. He is determined not to lose it to a Philly mogul who wants to turn it into a lifeless gaming cafe. Whitney, who is feeling adrift senior year, doesn't want to be running the social media for her father's successful gaming cafe chain, Um, especially because it's mostly trading insults with the old arcade that is also in town. So when Adam and Whitney are stranded in the arcade together during a snowstorm, well, they have a lot more in common than they think. Uh, This is guaranteed to be, and I borrow the words again from Eric, a hug in book form. 
I need that kind of reading so much right now. And I can't wait to dive into this story that is a love letter to Philadelphia, to teenagers who love gaming, and to kids learning how to be kids. And that is You Can Go Your Own Way by Eric Smith. And if you don't get that song stuck in your head, <laughs> I, I, I just don't know. <laughs> it's already working its way there. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Well, thanks to everyone for tuning in this week if you have any feedback about the show especially if you love it we'd love to hear about that on apple podcasts it lets us know how we're doing and it helps other people find us don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters more podcasts and all things bookish including our insiders program thank you to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible and thanks to our awesome audio editor jen zink you can follow me kelly on instagram at hey kelly jensen and erica what about you Follow me on Twitter at Erica, that's E-R-I-C-A underscore E-Z-E underscore. And we will talk to you as a team in two weeks. And Erica will be back next week with a new episode of Hey Way Extra Credit. Woo-woo. Yeah. Until then, <laughs> happy reading. Bye.